Hello and welcome to Hell No, a true crime podcast with your host, Lauren Lucio. I would like to start off by saying thank you to everybody that has listened to my podcast and continues to listen to my podcast and tells your friends about it because I've noticed today in my analytics that I have over 1,000 plays. So just thank you so much for that. Some of you may have noticed that I've also updated my cover art. It's now me looking like I heard something haunting because that's usually what my face looks like when I'm researching cases. And this week's case is no exception. So let's just get into it. A warm summer's afternoon in a wooded area just over the state line in Pennsylvania from West Virginia, a cell phone lay on the ground near the road. The wooded area is quiet and peaceful, birds are chirping, it's a beautiful summer's warm afternoon, but this phone starts ringing, and with nobody around to answer it, it continues to ring over and over again, all the time going to voicemail. In a town not so far away called Morganstown in West Virginia, Dave Neese is frantically trying to call his 16-year-old daughter, Skylar Neese. He tries to call her at least 10 times. He is ringing her nonstop after he notices that she's not at home and it looks like she hadn't been there all night. Her bed wasn't slept in, the screen off her bedroom window had been removed, and there was a bench pushed up against the outside wall of their apartment outside of her like below her bedroom window so he calls Skylar and he leaves a voicemail something along the lines of you better contact us or you better get home because you're in trouble initially Dave and his wife Mary think that their daughter has just snuck out and they decide that they will contact her around 4 p.m when she starts her shift at Wendy's but just after 4 p.m their daughter's boss calls looking for her as she has never showed up at work after that phone call, they know something must be really wrong. So they call Skylar's friend Sheila to see if she's with her or if maybe she knows where Skylar is. And initially Sheila says no, she hadn't seen her. But then she phones Dave back saying, yeah, oh, I have something to tell you. We snuck out last night, but we dropped Skylar off at the end of the street around midnight so she could sneak back in. Now, Dave and Mary are thinking Skylar may have been abducted. So their next phone call is to police to report their 16-year-old daughter missing on July 6, 2012. Skylar was a sophomore at University High School. Her two best friends were 16-year-old Sheila Eddy and Rachel Schoff. Skylar and Sheila had been close friends since they were eight years old. They had a long-lasting friendship. The freshman year, so previously, they had met Rachel Schoff, and all three became best friends, just inseparable. Skylar's parents saw Sheila and Rachel as an extension of their family. They were at their house all the time. They treated them as if they were their own daughters they were very close so if anybody knew where Skylar was it would have to be her best friends the three best friends they were just regular 16 year old girls their social medias were littered with selfies and photos of them together smiling and laughing and having fun 
they were very active on social media, always, you know, messaging each other, talking through Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. They smoked a little bit of weed. You can see pictures of them with big bongs. And they sometimes got into the occasional spats with each other. They got into little tiffs here and there, just regular teenage stuff. The night before Skylar disappeared, she finished work, went home, hugged her parents goodnight, and told her she loved them, then went off to bed. Dave and Mary assumed their daughter was safe in bed all night, and it wasn't until the next afternoon that they noticed her missing, as Dave had plans to bring his car home so that Skylar could take it to work that evening. He had just assumed that she had possibly slept in, but when he opens her bedroom door and sees the maid bed, no daughter, missing window screen, he realizes something is amiss with this scene. Police think Skylar has run away, and therefore there is no Amber Alert. But Dave and Mary, they don't think that she would run away. Skylar's best friend Sheila goes over to Skylar's parents' house to help go door-to-door looking for Skylar, and also to help hang up missing person's poster signs of Skylar all over the area. Sheila and Mary, they cry together in Skylar's bedroom. They're both concerned that something awful may have happened to Skylar. Mary checks the apartment security cameras and at 12.30 a.m. Skylar is seen sneaking out and walking over to a car that had just pulled up. Skylar then willingly gets into the back seat of the car and the car drives off. Sheila and Rachel, they told Dave and Mary that they had dropped Skylar off around midnight. So did Skylar sneak out twice in one night? The footage wasn't good enough to determine a license plate or maker model of the vehicle. So there was no no real leads with that. But now they had a time that she had gotten into a vehicle with strangers and is now gone and because police that and police think she's gone willingly and that she's a runaway no amber alert is put out police they start interviewing skylar's friends they get so many rumors and they have they just spend a large portion of their days tracking down these rumors some of the rumors were skylar was at a house party and she had used heroin which her parents were like no she never used hard drugs maybe she smoked some weed but she was definitely not using heroin um, and the rumor was that she overdosed on this heroin and then the party goers got worried or scared and that they hid her body. But police uncovered that that was a lie. That wasn't true. That was just a rumor. This was a small town. It has it has only 1,800 people. So you can just imagine what, how much talk was going around. It was just these rumors were just spreading like wildfire and it just gets worse when school gets in after the summer break and Skylar is still missing. Police start looking back on Skylar's Twitter and Instagram for a look into her life and what was going on around the time of her disappearance and they can see that she has been upset with someone but it doesn't say who. The posts say uh, things like quote People are so mean for absolutely no reason, unquote, and, quote, hope you don't expect me to give a shit anymore, unquote. So Skylar, she was mad at somebody or she was in a fight with somebody, but it's not saying in her posts. And she also posted another one, quote, there's just something about you I can't fucking stand, unquote. 
were not really sure who she couldn't stand or who she was in a fight with. And the night she disappears, she posted, quote, stress will be the death of me, unquote. And another post, quote, you doing shit like that is why I will never completely trust you, unquote. And that was posted at 10.48 p.m., so just hours before she is seen on the apartment security cameras sneaking out of her house and getting into that car. When police interview Sheila, she tells them that they picked up Skylar at 11 p.m. They drove around, they smoked some pot, and they dropped her off before midnight down the street from her house. When police interview Rachel, she says exactly the same thing. And when I say exactly the same thing, I mean word for word, same thing, which makes police a bit suspicious because they said it read like a script and they wondered why the girls would need to rehearse a story. Were Skylar's posts directed at Sheila and Rachel? Did Sheila and Rachel perhaps know who Skylar had taken off with? Police want to verify Rachel and Sheila's story that their driving around trip that night um, that they didn't leave the area because they told police they drove around that area. They did not leave that area. So police are like, okay, well, we're police. We have to verify things. Police look around and they find security footage from a gas station and they can see Sheila's car at 1239 a.m. leaving the area. But according to Sheila, she never left that area and she had dropped Skylar off before midnight and went home. So what's going on here? The two girls, they now changed their story, saying they did leave the area after they dropped Skylar off. Which it is possible that they dropped her off and then kept cruising around and didn't tell police because maybe they thought it, it didn't matter for their story because, you know, Skylar wasn't in the car. It didn't, it, she didn't have anything to do with that part of the evening. But if there's one thing that raises red flags to police, it is a changed story. So now this is looking very suspicious. And this whole time, Rachel and Sheila, they're back at school. They're posting on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. They're laughing. They're smiling. They're dancing. They're not acting like worried best friends. And people do seem to notice this. The police ask Sheila to take a polygraph. And I'm not sure what they ask her, but she failed miserably. But we all know polygraph tests, they aren't the most reliable things. Um, not even admissible in court. So who knows what happened there? But then it gets really weird because Rachel was also asked to take a polygraph test. And at first she agreed. But the day of the test, she was sick. Actually, on the way to the test, she jumped out of her father's moving vehicle to run away. I don't know what's worse, that or failing the test. I'm not sure which one looks more suspicious. Up until this point, Dave and Mary, they had been defending Sheila and telling police to leave her alone. She didn't do anything. She's really upset. Skylar's missing. But now Dave and Mary are starting to think, do they know something they're not telling us? Because they're acting kind of weird. Sheila remained very active on social media. Just two days after Skylar's disappearance, Sheila posted, quote, tired of losing sleep over this, unquote, which is kind of weird because she's making her best friend's disappearance about her. 
She was also very active in the Team Skylar Facebook page, which was a page based around finding Skylar. There's comments from Skylar's father, Dave, giving Sheila support messages about hang tough, don't let this get you down. And Sheila responding, it's hard, but I'm trying. I love you. So could Sheila know more than what she's telling Dave and Mary? She has been at their side, crying with them, looking for her. If she knew something, why wouldn't she tell them? But now Dave and Mary, they suspect Sheila and Rachel of something, of knowing something, not saying something, something strange is going on with them. Dave and Mary, they take to social media the tool that the girls are constantly using and they start posting messages hinting at them to tell the truth in an attempt to break them and at this point social media was just going wild not only were dave and mary putting the pressure on but the community was as well social media was basically a war zone at this time Rachel and Sheila actually had to leave school. Things got so tense. There is hours and hours of posts that I could read to you about this, but I won't. I can, I'll just tell you now, things got heated, fingers were being pointed, accusations were flying, and it got messy. December 28th, 2012, Rachel has a psychotic break, which ends up with Rachel's mother calling the police on her own daughter. Rachel was heard screaming in the call. You can hear her in the background screaming. And her mother tells police that Rachel had given her a black eye. She can't control her. She's running wild through the streets. She's screaming and yelling. And it was determined that Rachel was at risk of harming herself and therefore placed in a psychiatric hospital. A few days later, she requests to meet with police. Rachel is driven to the station, sits down, and blurts out, quote, we stabbed her, unquote. That's how bad she needed to get that off of her chest. No, hey, how's it going? No warm up, just bam, we stabbed her. The guilt was eating her alive. Police are stabbed. Stunned, and the room falls silent for a moment while police are thinking about their next move. Could she be lying? That was a thought going through their head because she had lied to police multiple times before. They ask her for the whole story, and not only does she tell them that her and Sheila plotted the murder for months, but she eventually leads police to Skylar's remains in Wayne Township, Greene County, Pennsylvania where the remains had been for over five months. Rachel tells police a grisly story. She tells them that her and Sheila gathered a change of clothes, cleaning supplies, and a shovel the day of the murder. And they put all this stuff in the trunk of Sheila's car. They made plans with Skylar to sneak out, go for a drive, smoke some weed, typical teenage girl stuff. But... Sheila had brought knives with them to conceal under their hoodies. And why they used knives, uh, she said, because they didn't know how to use a gun. So they call Skylar when they pull up outside of her apartment building. And that's when we see Skylar come running out and jump in the back of that car. They drove Skylar out to the wooded area and got out of the car to smoke some weed. When Skylar started walking back to the car to grab a lighter, Sheila and Rachel counted to three out loud 
and on three, they attacked Skylar with knives, stabbing her in the back. The last thing that Skylar would have heard is her best friends on a dark road counting one, two, three, and then just getting ambushed. She had no clue what was going on. At first, Skylar gets away, but Rachel runs after her, tackles her to the ground, and then both Sheila and Rachel jump on her like a pack of hyenas and keep stabbing her. And the whole time, Skylar is screaming, why? Sheila and Rachel then attempt to slit her throat. Later in court, we hear that Rachel and Sheila continued to stab Skylar until the noises she was making stopped. They then covered her in brush and left her only feet from the road as they changed into clean clothes and drove away. When police ask Rachel why they killed her, she says, quote, we just didn't like her, unquote. We just didn't like her. What an absolute little cunt. She is truly an ugly monster. Rachel also tells police, quote, it was just something I needed to do before church camp, unquote, in regards to stabbing her best friend to death. Something she needed to do before church camp. Oh my goodness. Police do not place Rachel under arrest that day, even though she has confessed to murdering Skylar. Instead, Rachel agrees to a situation where she will invite Sheila over to her house and the police will be listening with listening devices that they have set up in Rachel's home. But Rachel sucks at this and she fails. The two, however, they do post a picture on social media smiling together and Sheila captions it, finally got to see Rach. Ugh. Sheila is a fucking psychopath, okay? Just spoiler alert, this bitch is psycho. This murder that drove Rachel nearly insane didn't have any effect on Sheila at all. Police do, however, get a warrant to search Sheila's home and car, and voila, blood DNA matching Skylar Nieces is found in the trunk of her car. Police now notify Dave and Mary they found the remains of their only child. Skylar's parents were so heartbroken and outraged. It destroyed them. Police, however, didn't tell them Rachel had confessed and they found evidence in Sheila's car. March 13th, the police make it public that the remains of Skylar were found. Sheila jumps back on social media and posts, worst day of my life and the pain is real. And also posts on March 14th, rest easy, Skylar, you will always be my best friend, as if she didn't murder her violently. She doesn't stop there, though. Oh, no, she keeps on posting. So this is what she also posts. I wonder if there's a law and order where they don't figure it out. My goodness. Also, in late March, she posts, we really did go on three. In that same month, she later posts, quote, ain't no rest for the wicked, and I hate seeing or hearing things that remind me of you because you're the last person I want to be reminded of, unquote. Commented on this post was a slew of accusations and people just being like, you killed her, you're going to prison, you're going to be thinking, it was just like a lot, that's not exactly what it posted, but it was, it got wild, the comments on that post. By this point, it was confirmed that the DNA 
in the back of in Sheila's trunk of her car was a match to Skylar niece. So now the police can arrest her. And on May 1st, 2013, Sheila was enjoying a nice breakfast at Cracker Barrel with her mother and police arrested her ass in the parking lot. Rachel at this time, she was also arrested, but it wasn't as dramatic as she had turned herself in, but she was in custody. For months, the names of Rachel and Sheila were kept out of the paper due to their age. But it seemed like everybody already knew. Police did, however, tell Dave and Mary right away who was arrested for the murder of Skylar. They were disgusted, thinking back on Sheila in their home, crying with them, helping them look for Skylar, when the entire time she didn't only know exactly what had happened, it was her who viciously murdered her they had even defended Sheila in the past that's how much they didn't think that she had they did not think she had anything to do with it but now Sheila was charged with first degree murder and Rachel Schof was charged with second degree murder because she took a plea deal confessed to the crime led police to the and and led police to the remains during Rachel Schof's sentencing on May 1st, 2013, she was sentenced as an adult and did plead guilty to second degree murder. And she ended up receiving 30 years in prison with a possibility of parole after only 10 years. It's possible that she could be out of prison in 10 years for brutally stabbing her best friend to death after months of planning. During her hearing, she apologized to the family of Skylar niece, admitting her guilt, remorse, and regret. Throughout her hearing, she mostly kept her head down and cried in shame. Dave Neese gives a victim impact statement during the hearing, and when he says, quote, Rachel Schof murdered my daughter in cold blood, unquote, Rachel can be seen hanging her head in shame and crying into a tissue. Dave also says she should be sentenced for first degree murder, and she can take her apology and sit on it because that's about what it's worth. He really hammers in the horrific impact Rachel Schof has had on his life. He asked the judge to give her 40 plus years. Skylar's aunt also speaks in court, looking directly at Rachel and speaks with conviction and anger in her voice about the terrible, gruesome acts Rachel committed. Rachel, all the while hanging her head and crying, never even having the decency to acknowledge their words or face the family she devastated. Skylar's aunt ends her statement with, quote, I hope you really and truly regret for what you did, but it will never make us feel any better, unquote. Skylar's uncle also speaks in court, and it is perhaps the most emotionally loaded victim, victim impact statement I have personally ever seen. He tells the story of what he went through and what the family went through from the very beginning. And he cannot hold back his tears the entire time. And again, Rachel's just sitting there, hanging her head, doesn't even look in his direction. When faced with the repercussions of her actions, she wasn't so tough anymore. She just cried. She was so ashamed of herself. She just hung her head. And you can see that it was painful for her to listen to this devastated family. I am so happy the family got to give their victim impact statements and that she was forced to listen to every 
word because every second of that was torture for her. But if she gets parole in 2023, she will be 27 or 28 years old, young enough to live a full damn life. And that is scary. Now let's talk about Sheila Eddy's hearing or her her trial. So originally in her arraignment, she pled not guilty to first degree murder. But I think it was a few weeks later in the hearing, which turned into a sentencing, she pled guilty to first degree murder and she was sentenced to life in prison with the possibility of parole only after 15 years, even though the judge said you will be in prison for the rest of your natural life. So I don't know what happened there, but she is eligible for parole in 15 years. And this, if you watch this, you can find like a half hour of this hearing i'll post it in my show notes and you can see what a true psycho she is unlike rachel she doesn't hang her head in shame i didn't see her crying it she actually comes in smiling her lawyer read her apology to the family sheila wouldn't even say sorry or admit regret in her own voice to them. She sat there silent the whole time, smirking her psycho face. Dave Neese reads his victim impact statement and he breaks down crying while reading it. He is so upset about the murder of his daughter. It is absolutely heartbreaking to watch. Sheila, she seems totally unaffected by this. Sheila is, she's an ugly monster. And there is no doubt in my mind, if she is ever free, she will reoffend. She seems to have a complete lack of remorse. When the judge is reading her his sentencing for her, she actually throws her head back in like, ugh, like in a way that looks like she's thinking, oh, this is taking forever and I'm bored. Like that's how she looks. From prison, Sheila writes her, her cousin letters. And in no letter has she ever admitted regret or confessed to the crime. She seems to be only concerned with herself and her well-being. It seems, and and in it, it's like she says that she regrets living in that town. That's her regret, is living in that town. She says she wishes that she had never met Rachel. Uh, what? Shouldn't she be saying she wish, wishes she never killed Skylar? You know, if she's making all these wishes, why wouldn't she wish for that? I managed to find a bit of a letter, actually a few letters, written by Sheila to her cousin. And here's what it read. Quote, Hi! Exclamation mark. So today I was in the counselor's office. As per usual, we're buds. But anyways, he played 3AM by Matchbox 20 for me. OMG, it made my day. Seriously, it made me think of you. And I miss Pandora. Unquote. Wow doesn't sound like she regrets her actions to me and this next letter really shows how selfish and self-absorbed she is quote i wish i could talk to you face to face about all of this but i can't right now so please just trust me you're the best friend i've ever had and i'm not sure what's going to happen but please i'm begging you to be there for me always i feel so helpless this is terrible lex you can't even imagine i'm constantly frustrated upset stressed sad and it's horrible to know i can't do anything but sit here my heart is broken in half i miss everyone everything so much Missing something is the worst feeling ever. I feel like I'm in a daze here. I wake up every morning like, am I really here? 
Sleeping is the best part of my day because I'm not conscious. I worry about you getting mad or forgetting about me. Please, Lex, don't. I'm sorry I'm in here. Unquote. (laughs) What the actual fuck was that? Okay, where to start with that one? How about, I would be terrified if this woman called me her best friend because she has a record of violently killing them. Also, she feels helpless, stressed, sad, and upset. That's a laugh because she hurt so many people with her actions. And instead of acknowledging that, she, instead of acknowledging that she's made other people feel that way, she's only crying for herself. Her saying that missing something is the worst feeling ever, that's so messed up to me because she's missing hanging out with her friends and doing all her bullshit social media stuff. Yeah, well, Skylar's parents are missing their baby, their only daughter that she violently wiped off this earth. And she's like, I miss like Pandora and like Jory and like I miss this and this and this. It's like, are you serious? Her brain is just not okay. She just has no empathy for Skylar's family at all. Dave and Mary, they know that feeling better than anyone in this situation, yet she won't even acknowledge that. It's all about her. Then the psycho cherry on top, quote, I'm sorry I'm in here, unquote. Wow. As if her actions weren't the thing that landed her in there, as if she didn't land her own ass in there. She's not sorry for what she did at all. She's sorry that she got caught. She is an absolute monster. In other letters, she complains about how uncomfortable her cell is, as if she's looking for sympathy. Yeah, it should be uncomfortable. You did terrible things. You should be in jail forever. I just, she just doesn't get it. I don't know. She is so manipulative. Remember, she cried with Skylar's family. She helped them look for Skylar. She would tell Skylar, oh, we're BFF. She posted, I miss my BFF. Like, this is what she does. She's a pathological liar who manipulates people. There were so many speculations as to why Sheila and Rachel killed Skylar. People had a hard time believing it was because they just didn't like her. Some people say Rachel and Sheila were worried that Skylar would expose that Sheila and Rachel were romantically involved. But police, they believe it was just for the thrill. We may never know the real reason for the violent, hateful malice attack that brutally took away Skylar's life and destroyed so many others. You can count on Skylar's family being present at any and all of those monsters' parole hearings. Dave says, never let those animals out of their cages. Dave and Skylar, they had an amazing bond. Skylar and her father, they were so close. She was the apple of his eye. You can see it in home videos when she's just a child. They had so many home videos and her and her dad are always saying they love you to each other and he's helping her blow birthday candles. Like they were close. Both of her parents loved her so much. She had a good relationship with both of them. Her last words to them were, I love you as she hugged them, which I'm sure they cherish that moment forever. Skylar had big, blue, beautiful eyes and ambition to one day become a defense lawyer. And that night, she just thought she was going to go hang out with her best friends. And they literally stabbed her in the back. Teenagers are so scary. Since this case, the state of West Virginia has changed protocol on Amber Alerts. 
A law called Schuyler's Law now says an alert must go out for all missing children. And Dave and Mary, they helped to pass this law as no Amber Alert went out for Schuyler. The wooded area where Schuyler's remains were found where this brutal act took place is now a peaceful memorial with flowers, a bench, lots of letters that people have written to Schuyler, and a picture of Schuyler displayed on a tree. Dave and Mary Niece, they visit that spot regularly. To Sheila Eddy and Rachel Schoaf, I say hell no, you ugly monsters. That concludes this week's episode. Head on over to Hell No, a true crime podcast Instagram to see photos pertaining to this case. If you're listening on Spotify, please give me a five-star rating and follow. And on Google Podcast, please subscribe to be notified when new episodes come out. Thanks for listening. See you next week. Bye.